guys, I'm excited to share with you all this morning. Hope you're all doing well. Um, man, God is so good. And, uh, you know, we, 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 are, we are here this morning, aren't we? We are here, and we're worshiping the Lord, and we are regathering and slowly coming back. And uh, I, w- I want to say this. Welcome to church. Welcome to what God has called us to. Welcome to the midst. And this morning, we continue on with our message series, The Midst. And I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, if you've missed any of it, please check it out on our podcast or on YouTube. Go to the church app. Get in. Get in the Word of God. You see, the word the midst comes from the Greek word mesos, which has everything to do with Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, when Jesus says this in our central passage, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, mesos among them, in the middle among them. See, I want you to understand simply this. I want you to understand that when we gather in the name of Jesus, everything and anything is possible. God is here. We've worshipped his name. We've declared who he is. And this morning, I pray that your heart and your mind would be open to his word. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this day that you've made. See, God, you've woken us up, and here we are, Lord, in church. I pray, God, that you would speak to us, minister to us, strengthen us, Lord. God, I also pray, God, that you would convict us and challenge us. God, that you would work in us, help us, Lord, to step into the things that you have for us, to to grow deeper, God, to find ourselves closer to you than we've ever had been before. I pray, God, that the truth of your word would be unveiled in our lives, Lord. Thank you for this time. Speak to us. We need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Um, You know, a while back in the education system, uh, teachers and professors began to give points for assignments for simply writing your name. You know, it, did, it wasn't like that before, but all of a sudden now you can just write your name and you get automatic points. Why, Why did they make that change? Because students were so concerned with, with the assignment that they missed the simplest part of writing your name and receiving credit for the work that you put in. In fact, now even the SATs and the ACTs will give you 400 points for simply writing your name. It is nearly impossible to get less than a 400 score because they give you so many points for just writing your name. You see, sometimes in life, we can get caught up in so many different things that we miss what's most important. We miss what's most and simplest, what what we should have the most value to. And I think the same thing happens in our faith. See, God has called us together and his word reminds us. And I want to take a moment. I want to take a moment this morning and I want each and every one of us to do just use your imagination, if you will. You remember being a child, had this imagination. Some of you had imaginary friends. I know you had an imaginary friend. But... but I want you to use your imagination for a moment. I want you to imagine that you are standing right in front of Jesus, and Jesus is looking at you, but you're not by yourself. See, you're one of the disciples, and you're all gathered around, and there's crowds of people behind you, and Jesus is giving you some very important instructions, some final words. He's going to leave you in just a moment, but he's giving you some very special instructions. But can you imagine what would he say? What would Jesus' words be to you? What would he tell us before he's finished? You see, this this morning, we're going to take a look at a passage where Jesus is telling us a parable and reminding us all of something very important in our faith. It can be found in Matthew chapter 25, Verses 1 through 13, 
I'm going to take a moment to read it. It's also in the app. You can follow along there or in your Bible. Or you can listen. But this is what it says in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. It says this. Then the kingdom of God, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. See, Jesus is telling, he's speaking to his disciples. He's, he's telling them this parable. And this parable is a part, part of four parables that Jesus is explaining how and why his disciples should be prepared for his coming. You see, in this parable, he talks about ten bridesmaids. He talks about five who are foolish and five who are wise. Five who were prepared and five who were not. And this morning, we're going to unpack this some more. But I want to say this. Anytime the Bible describes something or someone is foolish, it's an opportunity for us to learn from something. It's an opportunity for us to look at maybe the error of our ways and say, hey, this, this is good and this is healthy for me. This is what God is speaking to me. So in this parable, Jesus is telling us two very important things. And the very first thing is this, is first of all, Jesus is coming back for his church. Amen. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is coming back for his church. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is coming back for his church? It means that Jesus was here on earth. It, it, means, it means that we have biblical evidence of that. We have historical evidence of that. We have, we have the church that's alive today because of what Jesus set in motion. But you see, this life was never meant to last forever. It was, it was, it was never meant to, to keep going in this way. This, that, that is not God's plan. See, God's plan is that he would send his son Jesus to become the payment for the wages of our sin. That when we receive Jesus into our hearts, we are reconnected with our heavenly father into right relationship. God's plan is that the church would grow. God's plan is that the church would share the gospel with as many people as possible before he returns. And that when Jesus returns for his church, the culmination of this life would begin. You see, in verse 6 of our main passage, it says this. At midnight, they were roused by the shouts, right? They were roused. They were awakened. Have you ever been laying asleep in your house and suddenly, all of a sudden, you heard a noise? You were woken up like, hey, what's going on? Has it ever happened to you? Yeah. Right, something happened. Maybe one of the kids yelled. Something fell. And, uh, you know, dog or cat. Something happened. You heard this. Somebody got up real early and turned on the blender. And you're like, what is going on around here? It says, at midnight, they were roused. They were awakened suddenly by the shout. Look, 
The bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet him. See, the Bible often refers to Jesus as the bridegroom. And the church, us, as the bride. Right? He's, he's the groom. We're, we're, we're the bride. Now, you've seen a bridegroom and a bride before, right? It's another picture of my wife. There we go. That was, that was us on our wedding day. It was a special, special time there. There we are in, in, in ceremony there. But Jesus represents the groom and, and the bride is, is uh, well, she's the bride and, and Jesus is the groom and we're the uh, bride. You see, the Bible says it this way in Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 5. It says this, for your creator will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your redeemer, right? Talking about Jesus, the holy one of Israel, the God of all the earth. See, this is who he is. This is the season for preparing the bride. This is for building up the bride. Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back for us. He doesn't set this all in motion and then say, just live out your 70, 80, 90, 100 years, and then that's it for life. But it seems all too often so many people live life just that way. Now, this is life. This just is what it is. You know, I've read the Bible. You know, I've been to church. He says, you know, do these things. And so I've done those things. And, 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 and you know, one day my life will be over. And, 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 and that's it. You know, I remember, I remember my, my parents, and I just had a conversation with them recently about this. But my parents, they never really left us too many places. They didn't really leave us alone. They didn't really leave us too many. I don't know how they did date nights. I still got to talk to them about that. I don't, I don't, I don't know how, how that happened, but I, I remember once they did leave us, and they left us with a friend's neighbor, and we were there. It was me, my brother, and my sister, and I, I remember my, my brother and my sister, once this began to happen, from that point really on, we always used to try to tell our parents this one thing. Okay, you're going to go, okay. Would you please bring us back something? Would you please bring us back something? And for us, we definitely wanted to get something, number one. Number two, it was kind of a way to make sure that they came back because they had to keep their promise and bring us back something. So if they're going to bring us something, they got to come back for us. Now, my kids today, they're, they're a little bit different. We dropped them off at, you know, Grandma and Tata's house, and, you know, and we you just – we say, hey, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to come back for you guys. And, and they're just like, hey, bye. <laughs> my wife and her are like, hey, don't you want to know when we're coming back for you? <laughs> they say, tomorrow. <laughs> One of the things that many Christians don't realize is that Jesus is coming back. This is God's plan. We, we're missing this urgency in our everyday life, the way we live our life, the decisions we make, the relationships we enter, the people we surround ourselves, the things we do. We miss the fact that Jesus is coming back, living with this urgency. We just live life, oh, well, that's just how it is. You know, Jesus taught us to live, and, and, and you know, I'm just, I'm just doing the best I can. That's it. But they're missing what the scriptures teach us. You see, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 28, it says this, So Christ died only once to take away the sins of many people. That's what Jesus did when he came. But when he comes again, it'll not to be to take away any sin. He will come to save everyone who is waiting for him. Someone say waiting. waiting. He is coming for those who are waiting for him. You ever been in a line before? You ever been in a long line? 
You're in the line, you're wondering, everybody in the front, hey, is anything happening over there? Why is it so long? But when you're waiting, you're intentionally, you're not out doing stuff. You're not outside, no, you're in, you're in the line that you're supposed to be. But it can be so easily that we get distracted saying, you know what, that line's too long. And I know each and every one of us have been in a line before and always said, that line's too long, I ain't getting out of this line. Yeah. Right, probably in and out or Chick-fil-A or somewhere, right? <laughs> I ain't waiting in this line. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me, right? I'm not doing it. And we get caught up with the things of life and we're stuck waiting in the line, the line that we're supposed to be in. We're, we're not waiting for his return. I know, but I, I just want to have some fun and I just want to do these things and, 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 and I just want to be a part of that and, and, and I'll do that later when I get older and I'll get back into that line later on. I'll let the line die down and, and then I'll get back into that. I'll, I'll align my life with Christ at that time. It's possible that many have struggled with this because they feel like Jesus should have come back already. But the Bible reminds us there's so much that needs to happen before he returns. One of those things is sharing the gospel with the world, with the whole world. And we'll get more into that in a minute. But it also tells us this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. This is this, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the nights. See, you're not going to be able to say, oh my goodness, well, I was, I was you know, I, I know the line was there, but you know what, I got some, I, I, you know what, oh, Jesus is here, he's here, let me go get in line. Oh, you know, he's coming back for his church, I better go get in line, I better go get myself ready, get my house in order, get my family in order, get myself in order, I'm going to go get in line because he's, he, he's here. Have you ever heard that phrase, Stay ready and you ain't got to get ready. Some of you heard it. Some of you never heard that before. But Jesus is going to come just like this, just, just like a snap of the finger. Will we be ready? Are we living right? Are we walking with God every day? Is our relationship with God the most important and the most protected and guarded relationship in our life? Jesus will appear in just a moment. You see, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 44, it says this, Therefore, you, must, you, you also must be ready. Someone say, be ready. be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. See, there'll be, there will be many who are so consumed with the worries of this life, worried about this or worried about that, and they, they put all these priorities above the things of God. Well, you know what? God certainly understands you know, I'll check in after I get some things done. I'll, I'll, I'll get that part of my life together. You know what? The lines, I'll get in. The, I'll be waiting at some point for it. Uh, I'll do that. But the Bible reminds us that we got to be ready. That we got we to gotta have our house in order. That you got to have your life in order. That you got to work. You've you got to do what you need to do. And the mercy and the grace of God is huge. It's not like, oh, oh okay, just, you know, i got to figure it all out myself. No, the, the arms of God are open. They're open this morning. But there's going to be a day when they're closed. Because the Bible is talking about what Jesus is talking about in this parable, this parable of this four-part thing of what he's trying to communicate to us is that we need to be ready. We need to put ourselves in that position. Have you ever told somebody to, to, to be ready and then you go to pick them up and then when you get there, they're not ready? Come on, somebody. Hey. I bet you it crossed your mind that if they don't come out in the next minute, I'm going to leave them. 
Some of you had those thoughts before. Man, if they don't come out in the next minute, I'm just going to leave. I'll just tell them something, you know. Should have been ready. <laughs> Are we ready? See, in this parable, he reminds us that he's coming back. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back. Secondly, he reminds us that what we do between now and his arrival matters. What we do between now and this moment and his arrival matters. This is where that whole stay ready and I got to get ready is crucial. Again, have you ever went to go pick somebody up and, and they were late and you were just sitting there just wondering, what could they possibly be doing that's taking them so long? I mean, there's only so many things you got to do. Like, what could be possibly taking them so long? You know, there's a huge difference between knowing how much time you have, getting ready, and then knowing that you should, but telling yourself, well, I got plenty of time. And I'm just going to chill for a little bit. Because I know that's happened to me. I'm like, okay, well, I got about, let's see, I got about an hour till I got to leave. You know what? Let me turn on the game for a little bit. Just kick back, just watch out for a little bit. Next thing you know, oh my goodness, I'm out of time. I got to hurry up and go. I don't know if that's happened to any of you. Right? You know, I must, I've met so many people who, who know the truth about God, but they say that they just want to live life a little bit. Who say, you know what, I'll, I'll get right with God when I'm older. You know, I just, you know, YOLO, you only live right one life once. Yeah, yeah, YOLO, you only have one opportunity to get your life in order. And, you know, I've, I've also been to a lot of funerals. I've also been the pastor proceeding over the ceremonies of a lot of funerals. And I've seen a lot of people who knew God, they knew of him, maybe they were living right with him, but at one point or another, they just weren't anymore. And I'm always talking with the families, and the families always have this, this, this peace and this hope. You know, they knew God. I, I really hope at the last minute in their life they made a decision to get right with him. You know, I, I'm sure they did, and they, they rest all of their peace and their hope. I, I know they weren't living right, but I, I know they were at one time, and they knew God. And so, you know, I, I, they, 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 they rest in this peace and the hope. I, I'm sure, I'm sure they called on Jesus in, that, in, the, in those last moments, in those last breaths. If they got an opportunity, I'm sure they did. And that's all the peace and the hope that the family has. You know, I, I never like to get in front of a funeral or get in for a memorial service and, and lie to the people. You know, somebody wasn't living right with God. Oh, yeah, oh, they're with Jesus. They're in heaven. No, that's not the truth. That's not the truth. In this parable that Jesus is sharing, there are five who were foolish and five who were wise. See, the Bible says this in verses 3 and 4. It says, the five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. Now, electricity wasn't invented at this time. And so they used these clay-shaped bowls with olive oil and wicks. I got a few pictures here I want to show you here. Uh, they, they used these clay and they, they took the bowls and they molded them and shaped them and they would pour olive oil and with the wick, they would, that would be their lamp and they would come and go and, and use it in that way and that was their light wherever they would go. If, the, you know, if they had to you know, go and uh, do this or this or travel or go here or there or maybe use the rest, whatever it is, they had their, their lamp with them to light the area. 
And this is what some of them look like. You see, the foolish ones, they took the lamp but prepared no oil inside. Imagine the construction worker showing up to work with no tools or the teacher showing up to the classroom with no lesson or the student with no backpack and so on and so on. I remember once not too long ago, my, my wife, um, she, she asked me to help out and go pick up some stuff at the grocery store. And I was like, yeah, I'll go do that. And so she gives me a list of some different things that I got to purchase. And so, you know, I, I go over there and I'm going down the aisle. Boom, got it. Crossed it off. Going down the next aisle. Boom, got it. I'm crossed. You know, I'm just, I, I like to accomplish stuff and I like to cross stuff off lists. I, I just, I enjoy that. There's something about that. Just, I'm kind of like, yes, yes, I'm moving. And so I got my basket full and I show up and I'm there to pay and there's a little bit of line, but I'm like, hey, the line's moving. So I'm like, good. And, and so it's good. It's my turn to ring everything up. And all of a sudden, guess what? I don't got my wallet. I'm looking at my phone trying to do Apple Pay. You take Apple Pay? I mean, what do you, I mean, I, um, I, I have no way to pay this person. He done rang up all these groceries. My mind was so focused on all these things. I wasn't focused on what was most important, the task in front of me. So many times it's just like that. See, when you, when you have your lamp, you know about Christ. Listen, do you see this? Can you grab that for me? You see right here in the front chair? There's a little lamp right there. See that lamp? Yeah, can you hand that to me? Thank you, appreciate that. See, when you have your lamp, you know about Christ. You know about him. But if you don't have any oil in this thing, your house is in order. Your, your life is in order. You're, 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 all, you're all over the place. Except for what's most important. It's not that you don't have a lamp. It's not that you've never heard about Christ. It's not that you weren't following him one day. You have a lamp. The lamp was, will, will guide you. The lamp will show you the way. The lamp will allow you to be where you need to be, but with no oil in it. You'll never get there. You're not prepared. You're not ready. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 15, it says this, the toil of a fool wearies him. He's off doing the things he needs to do, and it just it worries him, for he does not know the way to the city. He's, he's not going to get there. He's not, he's not going to be able to get there. Concerned about everything except what they know they should be doing. And isn't this us at times? You know, James chapter 4 and verse 17, and this is James, the brother the half-brother of Jesus, who's the leader of the Jerusalem church, the Jerusalem council at this time. And if you've been in our Bible studies, you know that Peter and Paul, they had to come to, and James is giving the final decisions at this time. He says this, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it's a sin. I'm gonna say that again. For, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it's a sin. So what are we supposed to be doing? Well, the first thing is this, is, is standing firm in the faith. Standing firm, having, having that firm. You know, when you're standing firm, and nobody's going to knock me over, right? I'm going to be standing firm. I'm going to be focused on what I should be doing, right? right? Not standing firm is just kind of like, you know, 
I'm just like whatever about life, whatever about church, whatever about God. But not, when I'm standing firm, like you, you're not, like, I'm, I'm, I'm where I need to be. I'm focused. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, it says this, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. I know in 2021, we need to act like men. This is 2021, pastor. I know somebody's about to start a new petition and say, why does the Bible say act like men? But this is what the Bible says. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, it says this, resist him, talking about the devil, because he's looking to distract you in all kinds of ways. Resist him, told him, listen, nope, not today, devil. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We're all dealing with these attacks and different things. Stand firm in your faith. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Don't let these ideas out there cause you to slip away. I don't need to go. To, I don't need to be a part. Of, I don't need. I can serve Jesus and be all by myself. And you're just on your island. That's not God's plan. That's not the way God designed it. Father, we would stand firm in our faith. And the second part of this, what we're supposed to be doing, is taking personal responsibility for the gospel being shared. Taking personal responsibility for the gospel being shared. This is each and every one of us, right? Some people say, well, you know, they're, the, the pastor, he should be the one sharing the gospel with everybody. No, each and every one of us are supposed to be sharing the gospel with everyone. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's for each and every one of us. Listen, whether that's our missionaries across the world or that's us in our local context, in our schools, in our jobs, uh, in, 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 uh, with our neighbors, with our family members, we need to share the gospel. God has transformed. God has done a wonderful thing in our life, and we, we can't just keep quiet about that. In John chapter 20 and verse 21, it says this, And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I'm sending you. See, Jesus just breaks it down. He says, listen, I'm here, and I'm doing what I'm doing, and I did what I did on the cross. That's happened because the Father sent me. And so I am sending you to share the love, to share the gospel. So two things. Stand firm in your faith. Don't let the ideas, the ideologies, these, these false things out there cause you to stay, to, to, to get away from the faith that God's called you to. Secondly, Take the gospel as a personal responsibility to be shared with others. It's yours. Own it. Share God's love. It's your lamp. You know, I, I love camping. Camping's fun. I, I love getting out to the great outdoors and, you know, just something about that. Just, just being out there, the fresh air, away from the city life, just just enjoying the great outdoors. Maybe it's at night looking at the stars. Maybe it's roasting some marshmallows. It's just, I enjoy, I enjoy camping. You know, there's been a few times that as I've been camping in the middle of the night, I gotta wake up and uh, relieve myself, you know? And, uh, you know, I remember once I, 
you know, I always got a lamp, a lantern, my phone, a light, but on that particular night, I didn't have anything. It was, I couldn't I didn't have a flashlight, a lantern, my battery was dead on my phone, I didn't have anything. And so I just got out of the tent, because this was not gonna wait, and I got out and I started walking. And, I, and it took me a really long time, but I found the place, and everything worked out. The next morning, I realized that I had went a whole long way when I didn't need to. Right? I, I didn't have my lamp to show me that I was a whole lot closer than I thought I was. And there's so many of us that you think, listen, I'm just too far. Like, I, I've done too much. I'm too far away from possibly in being in that position to being right with God, to being waiting. I want you to understand it's as simple as this. The arms of God are open for you this morning. They're wide open. His mercy and His grace is beautiful. No matter what you've done, He'll forgive you right now on the spot. On the spot, He'll forgive you. He'll wipe your slate clean like this. And He'll say, I make you right. You didn't get right. I make you right. And that's what Jesus does. This parable he says in verse 10 but, the, but while they were gone to buy oil the foolish ones the bridegroom came and they weren't prepared those then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked later when the other five bridesmaids returned they stood outside calling Lord Lord open the door for us but he called back, believe me, I don't know you. The time has already passed for you and I to connect, for us to build a relationship. There was all kinds of time for you to be waiting, for you to be in line, to have yourself in order. There was all kinds of time. And now that the door's locked, I don't know you. Why are you knocking on my door? The time has passed. This is the truth of Scripture. The bottom line is simply this. Jesus is coming back, and how we wait between now and His arrival matters. Is there any oil in your lamp? So here's my challenge. Would you make preparations in your life for the return of Christ? You know what those areas of your life are. Would you make preparations in your life for the return of Christ? And secondly, would you identify five people who you know need Jesus in their life? Let me take a moment to pray for you. Let's pray for those five people. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your love, Lord, and I thank you for your word. It's your word, God, that gets us back in gear. It's your word that brings us back into focus, reminds us. God, just as I opened up, I talked about imagining that you were standing in front of us and you're speaking. What would you tell us? God, would we be prepared? Lord? Would we be reminded that you are coming back and that what we do from now until your arrival, it matters. 
So I pray, God, that you would bless your church, God, that you would strengthen your church, God, that you would encourage your church, God, God, that you would do a wonderful work in the name of Jesus. I pray your peace, your love, your strength, God, your blessing in the name of Jesus. And God, I also pray, Lord, for the five people that, the, that each and every one of us know who need you, Lord. I pray, God, that as the invitation is shared, as the gospel is shared, Lord, God, that you tug on their hearts, their hearts and minds become open. Maybe they've never been open before, but they'll be open this time. And I pray, God, that you set them free from the bondage of slavery to what this world offers. And they come to understand and know the freedom in you, Christ Jesus. So I pray your blessing, God, over my brothers and sisters this morning, those in person, those watching online. God, would we make preparations for your return in our lives, in our home. We thank you, Lord, for your love. Strengthen the church in the mighty and in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.